Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. Go on in the purpose of temptation. Um, I want to uh, go back into 1 Corinthians 10:13. I think we've opened each session up with this verse, and I think it's good that we do because I think that uh, this probably is the key uh, behind what we're doing. Here in 10, uh, the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the 13th verse, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. That you may be able to bear it. Now, we have in the past uh, four or five sessions uh, discussed, and we have given you a formula, something that I uh, uh, think is meaningful if you'll take it and use it, and I call it, just simply call it the law for provision. And there are laws that causes God's Word to work in your life and for you, and uh, this is a law that will work. Uh, God gives us a promise, and which is always linked to a principle or a condition. Every promise in the book has a condition that goes with it. I, I think probably the best way that I could uh, explain that and have explained it is that God says, I will do this if you will do that. I will do this over here if you'll do that over here it, within the bounds of His Word. Now, uh, the way it also works is God says, and if you don't do that, I won't do this, all right? And I don't think there's anything in the Word of God that I have ever come across that will be any different than that with all the things that are conditional, all right? Uh, uh, the promise being a conditional uh, on a conditional base must always be met by you, not by God. See, so many of us are waiting on God to fulfill His promise. God's already fulfilled His promises. What God's waiting on is for you and I to meet the condition of the promise, and if you learn to meet the condition of the promise, you'll have the promise every time. And, of course, this thing with temptation has been something that uh, uh, most of us uh, have never been able to understand in our lives, including this preacher. For years, I could not understand. And, and, and of course, I was always saying, oh, I was always pointing a finger at the devil and saying, oh, it's the devil. Well, uh, the devil is behind the temptation in most all cases. Uh, God tempts no man, as we've given you Scripture to prove that. So we want to get away from thinking, well, God is letting, you know, God is tempting me, or uh, God will permit you to be tempted would probably be the right way of putting that. Now, we uh, got into uh, last Sunday morning, and we want to continue into three areas which all of us are tested, in some cases more so than other cases, but these three areas are areas that we have all been tested in. And, of course, again, I want to make sure you understand that the degree of these testing doesn't necessarily mean that it will be more so in your life than somebody else's life or vice versa. It just happens to be as to, um, as to your life. A lot has to do with the, the generational uh, sin that gets passed down from generation to generation, of which we're studying on Tuesday nights. Um, you have to realize that there are a lot of things that happen within, within to uh, uh, cause one of these to be more so than the other in your life. And the one, first one we put down and talked about was sexual immorality, uh, greed, the love of money, 
uh, and pride, uh, an ego problem. And we went through we went through uh, some of that last week, but I want to take back up over here in the um, First Corinthians, actually in the tenth chapter where we're at. I'm going to start in the very first verse over here, and we're going to go down through six. It says, "Moreover, brethren, I would not not that ye should be ignorant uh, how that our fathers." were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock, that spiritual rock, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And uh, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. To the intent, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now, Paul is warning here, all right? Paul is warning here that they should not lust, should not lust, period. Lust, in fact, let's see what it said. Uh, lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now, the word lust, and I want to give you a definition here this morning. It is a desire or a craving for anything other than God to teach us, God may send an overabundance of what we crave. All right? To teach us into areas that we were lusting in, there is a, a good chance that God can send to you, by His permitting the devil to bring it, uh, an overabundance of craving. Now, let's, let's, let's look at this for just a minute. We have tried, and I, uh, I love the way God links the Word of God, His Word together. I, I just, it astounds me because I just study and, and, and seek God and, and pray, and then I let God uh, dictate to me what I'm going to feed you. All right? I, I don't try to think, well, this would be nice to give you this week and this would be nice to give you next week. I actually spend time before God and try to do my best as to be led by God as to know how this works. Now, with this... And the way this is, this this series is going, and the things that I'm bringing from the pulpit on Tuesday nights, is linking to this thing of sin. All right, it's all it's all coming around this thing with sin. Now, uh, to lust after or to crave after anything is wrong. All right, because you're to love the Lord thy God with everything that's on the inside of you. All right, not your cars, not your homes, not your jobs, not your family. Uh, none of that. You are to put God foremost and first always. Now, when you begin to toy with sin, all right, and I think by this point in time in this church we have tried to explain to you that there are sin that takes place other than physical sin, all right? There are also, if you will, mental sin, sin of thinking, out of your mind, all right, because the Lord God says that His Word is even the discerner of the thoughts of your mind. And you must understand what Jesus said. He said, uh, uh, for you to have lusted after that woman in your heart is the same sin as you have gone to her and to have uh, 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 partaken within a, a sexual sin with her. That's what the Lord Jesus said. So it's important to get that into your heart. Now, I realize that I'm reaching down and I'm getting into some depth here this morning, but this depth is very important because it's a foundation of my ministry uh, for you to understand 
that in order for you to be successful with your walk and in, within your walk with Jesus Christ, you've got to begin to clean the sin out of your life. God does not. He loves the sinner. He hates the sin. He loves the sinner, and he hates the sin. Now, I'm going to use this example, guys and gals, because this can pertain to both of you. You may never have, if you're married or if you're single, you may never have gone out and, and, and entered into a sexual relationship with, uh, with the opposite sex, all right? And I, I pray that you haven't. But at the same time, if you with your mind have participated in it, you might as well have in the eyes of God. All right, that's the, the only difference is, is the fact that your flesh, your flesh did not, uh, your carnal part did not uh, receive, did not receive, but uh, you received anyway of the sin. So, because that you have done that, now, this is a deliverance church. Sooner or later, you'll find, you'll find yourself being delivered of something if you haven't been delivered of a lot of things. And you will find that with a deliverance church, because we keep bringing and pounding the Word of God into your spirit man, and we have taught you over and over again already here in this church, that persecution, affliction ariseth for the Word's sake. Thus saith the Word of God. So you can find yourself, if, and I'm using this as an example of lust this morning, of the flesh, and there can be a lot of different lusts involved, just not of the flesh. But I'm using that this morning. If, in fact, you have been one of those that has secretly, okay, and, and I, I kind of like that word because most of us think that, well, you know, after all, if I'm not participating in it physically, who's going to know? Well, honey, the only one that needs to know, that does know, is the important one that, that, that knows is God. All right? And that's where, that's where we must become open enough and enough understanding in the Word of God to understand where bondages come in our lives. And, and it isn't like God doesn't want you to have the entirety of His kingdom, because He does, because He's already given it to us. The problem comes when we let the bondages that we bring into our lives or that are in our lives stay. That's where we begin to tie the hands of God and lock God up where God can't give that to us. And the reason He can't do it is He will not defile his word for you or me or anyone else. He won't defile his word. So uh, then we have to begin to understand then how this stuff works. Now, this thing with lust, uh, all of a sudden you, uh, well, I don't want to get into some things that we have seen happen nationally, but sin has its payday, as I have said time and time again. Now, it may not be this month. It may not be next month. It may be five years down the line, but it, it has its payday. Just like living righteously has its payday. And the church definitely needs to understand both sides of that thing. All right? So you have, uh, you have let that be there. And again, it could have been something that was passed down from generation to generation, but it's there. And it's in your life. It's real. And then you've got these thoughts that go through your mind. You know they're not right. You know they're not. You've got these imaginations uh, happening that you know that aren't right. And then all of a sudden... Um, people all of a sudden look like they've jumped off the deep end. Hmm? Preacher rapes a secretary in basement of church. And they oh my. Well, you see, that just didn't happen one afternoon or one morning or one night or one whatever, hypothetically speaking. 
uh, and that has happened. Some of you may have known some cases. I personally do. It happened through the years. It was something that was there. It was sin. It was there. And all of a sudden, God uh, let it more abundance of that, more abundance of that, more abundance of that, more abundance. Because you see, you are a product of what comes into you, into your heart, into your mind. And as long as your mind is producing uh, that type of, uh, of sin or any kind of sin, sooner or later, it's going to get multiplied. And it's going to, it's like, it just doesn't go away. Yeah, people get to think, well, it'll go away. No, it's not going to just go away. It's not going to do that. Uh, the only way it's going to go away is for that bondage to be broken, for you to repent to the Lord Jesus Christ, then turn from that sin and not go back to it and walk away from it. And that's the way those things are broken. Now, of course, with deliverance, uh, you can be prayed for, and that can be either cast out of you or just however the bondage broken, however you want to deem that. But the fact of the matter is, you still have the important part to play within it. Whether you have hands laid on you or whether you just you decide yourself you're going to do that, you have the key to it. It's you. And, and if you're going to go back to it, back into it, then you're going to find that you could get yourself into a, a little larger mess than, than you were in. Because scripturally, uh, once that you are uh, relieved of demonic uh, oppression, uh, uh, demons or devils within your flesh or your mind, of which we as Christians and non-Christians can carry, then you're going to have yourself uh, uh, fulfilling. Well, let's look over there in, the, in, in Matthew. You're going to find yourself then fulfilling. I, I think I'm wanting the, the 12th chapter, yeah, and the 43rd verse, Matthew 12:43. When the unclean spirit, this is Matthew 12, 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Now, that's when a devil is cast out. Then he saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. That means that after he's been cast out, he will come back. And that's the thing that I try to teach people. And uh, when we do this seminar on healing here uh, in the next month or so, uh, I will be using this as part of the base of, of teaching. Yeah, that's the reason that I keep saying it's one thing to receive from God, but it's altogether a different thing to keep what you receive from God. All right? Uh, it's a whole different thing. When you ask, you receive. You must get that into your spirit, man. But the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Out of John 10.10. 10. All right? Here is a law that Jesus was given to us so we could understand. When that spirit is cast out of a man or a woman or a child, then it goes to a dry place. Now, there's no indication in the Bible where that dry place is at. There's no way for you and I to, to, uh, to be able to plot that because it doesn't say. I don't think anyone has ever try, come up with it. Oh, there's been a lot of theory, a lot of opinion, but uh, it just says a dry place. And there's, you can get to the concordance, and it's going to say, well, just a, a dry place. And then you can go somewhere else, and in another different concordance, it's still going to say a dry place, all right? So, but when it returns, it says, and I will return from the house or the vessel, the body of which I've come out of, all right? And that's what you need to get a hold of here. And it also goes on to say, um, uh, and when he come, he findeth it emptied, swept, and garnished. He found that it was clean. All the spirits were gone, been cast out. Or, uh, there was no darkness there within that, within that vessel. 
Then it says, Then goeth he, in the 45th verse, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And that's where the problem, that's where the problem is. That's where the problem is. And it goes on to say, and, uh, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first, even so shall it also be unto this wicked generation. Now, uh, that doesn't have to happen. Those spirits don't have to come in and dwell there if you know how to take care of it. And you just simply rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ, cut it at the root, and give no place to it. But as sure as I'm standing here, as sure as the Lord God created all that He's created, when people uh, deliver themselves through the name of Jesus Christ or are delivered through the laying on of hands through the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the deliverer, makes no difference. It, you are going to have a return, a return of that spirit and spirits. They're going to come back. And I can't tell you in the beginning of my ministry uh, how profound that was. I, I found myself getting up out of bed at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning driving miles because I try to teach. I try to teach the Word of God uh, to them. And I say, but you've you got to understand that God has put the anointing in my life to pray deliverance over people and see people miraculously delivered of things. But the fact of the matter is, you, you being delivered of it isn't enough. You have to do something about that. And all everybody sits there and shakes their head yes, and, they're going to do, and, and then 90% of them don't do anything. Because they have some, they're free of it, so that's the end of that. Now, uh, the whole fact of the matter is, anymore today, I'm not even interested in praying deliverance over somebody unless they're going to come get out of the ministry. I made too many late night phone calls. I'm starting to get a little older. I'm kind of starting to enjoy my sleep a little more, I think. And so, uh, what I do is I just, if I tell them, I says, yeah, they probably do need delivered. And if you're interested in coming and getting out of the ministry, and being in service with me every time the doors are open, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll pray deliverance over you. If you're not, uh, then don't bother me. Don't, don't, take, don't, don't, don't take my time and waste your time because you're going to be in a worse mess than you were in if, you don't, if, if in fact, you don't adhere to what thus saith the Word of God. And you'd be surprised how many people uh, you, you try to teach this to. I used to sit them down, spend an hour, and then pray with them. I used to teach them for one hour. And then I'd pray with them, watch God deliver them. Get up and they'd leave, never see them again, and bless God, they didn't get a phone call. said, oh, I'm worse than I ever was. And I said, I don't doubt that one bit because you have fulfilled Scripture. Okay? So the thing with deliverance is real, and it really does work. All right? And when it comes into a place of, of, of this thing with lust that we're talking about here, you have to understand that, uh, again, uh, this thing can turn and become very vicious to you. That's the reason I keep saying, uh, don't take, ever take deliverance lightly. Don't ever take deliverance lightly. Now, uh, there's, I like to categorize it. I categorize a lot of things. So uh, there are some deliverances. As I get people in line and start to pray for them, and the Lord will tell me, says, you just tell them to, to wait and you pray for them later uh, because of the fact that they, they've got what I like to deem as, as some pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, deliverance that has to happen, some deliverance that uh, some people wouldn't understand if they got to see it. A lot of deliverances. Uh, I think uh, I don't think Tim and Kathy was there last night. Uh, I don't know if anybody else, in the congregation adults, was there or not. But uh, when Tom Porter, this ex-satanic priest, was delivered, I'll guarantee you what I had two elders going to leave the building on me. It, it was that. It was that. It was really something. It wasn't just it, the windows actually shook in that in that building, uh, and I don't mean uh, thinking they shook. I mean actually rattled. Uh, the way he was screaming. And uh, uh, these things, people don't understand them because they're not around them. 
so and and you'd be surprised how many people I lose out of services because they don't understand anything about deliverance. Everybody wants to see the devil cast out of somebody, but when it comes down when it comes down to seeing somebody delivered that really needs to be delivered, really possessed, all right. It's a whole different ball game. There's not very many people want to see anything to do with it. I always tell a story about the big preacher that uh, that I had almost tackled to get him to stay with me uh, when I was praying deliverance over a woman whose throat uh, actually swelled up the size of a basketball. She wouldn't weigh 100 pounds soaking wet, but her she, her throat actually neck neck swelled up that big around. And she got growling, and every time she'd growl, he went to backing up. And, I mean, this old boy is as big as that door back there. I mean, both sides of it, okay? And uh, he, he told me before that all started, he was called into deliverance. After it was over, he told me he was going home to pray. He didn't think it was. He said, fear is not a God, brother. And he said, I got news for you. I need delivered myself, you know. But, uh, but there again, it is real and it works. Well, let's, let's get back to this thing in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, please. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Here again, as Paul is admonishing the church, now if you use the 10th chapter, let's look in the 7th verse. Neither be adulterers, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, adultery is lust and desire come to its maturity, is what it really is. Okay? In other words... uh, in other words, your lust, if it's a fleshly lust, could end up there. It could end up there. Uh, as I said before, you're to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and, uh, and all your might. And anything that you put in front of that, and, and folks, uh, I can't just tell you how many, many, many people that I'm around that love God. I, uh, I, everybody does that I know that's a Christian, loves God. But they let things get between them and God. They let the, uh, sometimes it's small things, sometimes it's big things. But you, you can let anything get between you and God. And God will not, will not stand still, if you will, for you putting anything or anybody. He said, I'm a jealous God. I'm going to be number one in your life. I'm going to be number one in your life all your life. For you to be recipients of my kingdom... Uh, the entirety of my kingdom here on the face of this earth, you're going, to, you're going to make me number one. And that's number one over everything. Over everything. I have seen, I have seen uh, people let their children become their God. Absolutely dictate. I, I've had people come and say, Now, Brother Deckard, I, I, I really do. I really like to be under your ministry. But, uh, you know, you have Wednesday night service over there in Illinois. And, and, and you know, and I, well, my kids got two or three television shows that they watch. And I just can't, I just can't, you know, I, I, you know, I, I got to take care of my family. Isn't that right, Brother Decker? I stand there and look at him. You know, I, I said, well, whatever. Well, you know, different strokes for different folks. You just have to do whatever suits you, you know. For me and my family, we serve the Lord. And, and that, that has to be, that has to be uh, upfront, personal, and has to be the number one thing. All right? Now, the Bible, understand this, prohibits the making of images. Mental or metal. Uh, mental or metal or wood or whatever, all right? It prohibits the making of images. Because, again, an image takes away from God as the central object of our love. And as we were using this thing of lust of the flesh, 
that takes that takes that away. That takes that away. That takes that away. I don't uh, uh, don't believe that we understand the process deep enough of what it really takes in the way of serving God. Most people, most Christians believe that it just simply takes the process of of a lip service of saying, Jesus, come into my heart and everything else is going to work out. That's that. As the years pass, and and I'm one of these guys that I'm always curious when I talk to people. I always want to know what's making them tick. All right? And, And most of the people that you're around, that's, to them, is what it's all about. And it is. Don't misunderstand. That is what it's all about. But as I keep saying, that's for the here and after. We're concerned with the here and now. Right now. That's what we're concerned with. But when you begin to study and you begin to put your life into the Word of God, you begin to realize that there are numbers, numbers, numbers of things of which you're going to have to do in order for you to be successful in your walk with Jesus. That's the reason that it takes so long to become successful in your walk with Christ because there's so many areas. And we're just touching some of here today what are many areas. And, and you see, with God, you don't just clean one area up in your life and all the rest of them just fall in line. Hey, you, you, that area, this area, and this area. And one time uh, I was in service and I was, uh, was doing a, a revival and I was teaching uh, a 10 o'clock morning Bible study for the pastor. And uh, we had some of the guys that worked night shift. They came in at 10, and, and then the gals that didn't work, they were there. And, and uh, we were uh, studying along these lines, and all of a sudden the Lord said, Now I want you to have them to make a list just for themselves of the things that they know that's in their life that's not right. And so I stopped, and I told them that, that, that I felt the Lord was dealing with me to have them to do that, and that... For them to do that, and then tomorrow, the next day, that we would uh, that we would talk a little further about that list. And uh, so, when uh, the next day came, and I was going up to the, the platform that morning, a sister stopped me, and she said, "Brother Deckard," she said, uh, I, "You know," she said, "I I thought and thought and thought and thought," and she said, "There just isn't anything I can put on the list." I said, dear God in heaven, I said, praise the Lord. You know, I mean, here's a sister that had arrived, you know. And, and so I just thought that. No, I didn't say that. And, and so I, I, uh, I kindly said, well, uh, we're going to uh, talk about that, those things this morning. And so I got, we got into the study, and, and I said, well, I said, let me put it this way. I said, I was one of these people, and I was, that kind of felt like that uh, I had it all put together. I had it all put together. I had Jesus in my heart. I spoke in other tongues. I went to church. I even, I even, even got right down to where I'd pay my tithes. Okay? I mean, I, mean I, I had arrived. I mean, I had the Holy Ghost, the power of God. And I mean, dear God in heaven, I was ready for anything. It didn't make any difference. And all of a sudden, uh, I began to realize that there wasn't anything wrong in my life. I didn't have anything I had to clean up. And then I went home and began to pray about it. And, in fact, the, the pastor told me that I discussed it with the pastor. You know, that sounds spiritual to go tell the pastor that... that and see I'm, see, I'm a corporate of all this, so I can talk about it, okay? Go tell the pastor that, well, <clears throat> uh, there really isn't anything else for me to, to uh, clean up in my life. And pastor looked at me, and he kind of grinned like I grin today. And, uh, and he said, well, he said, I'll tell you what, Brother Decker. 
why don't you go home and, and pray and ask God just to check? Now, he said, if I was you, I'd just, just to check. He said, have you asked God if there's anything that you need to work on? I said, well, no, I hadn't. I just thought on my own. And I said, I really just can't come up with anything. He said, well, Brother Deckard, do yourself a favor. Go home and pray and ask God if there's anything. And then that way he said, I'm sure, he, I'm sure if there is, the Lord will reveal it to you. Well, um, uh, I, I went home and I thought, well, you know, that kind of seemed a little childish. I, I kind of already went through it myself. And so I uh, said, well, I'm going to go in and pray a little while in the bedroom. And I went in the bedroom and I shut the door and, and, uh, and I was in there for about... 15 minutes, and I come back out, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I need a pencil and paper. And she said, why? And I said, well, I said, me and the Lord's having a conversation in here, and I, I, I asked him if there'd be anything in my life I need to clean up, and I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to remember it all. So I decided to get me a pencil and paper, and I began to write it all down, and dear God in heaven, I filled both sides of the paper up. And I come out of there, and I was astonished. And I sat down with you. Now, this is the way God, God's so precious. And I sat down with you. I said, now, can't be honest with me. I said, yeah, do you think I really need to work on this area? And she said, yes. I said, oh, I said, now, you, you can't really. Yeah, yeah. I said, what about this one? Well, yeah, she said, and since you've asked, she said, never volunteered, you need to do that. Uh, but uh, when it come down, you know, the uh, push come to shove, I guess is the old adage is, uh, she was willing to, to go right ahead and agree with the Lord, see. And uh, so, uh, so that gave me something to work on for the next uh, rest of my life. And uh, still working on today, see. And uh, so we have to know that. About We have to know that. That's the reason that it's when we're babes in Christ and we begin to want so much to be grown, we want to be so much to have the authority uh, of the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost in, in total working order in our lives. We're just, not, we're just not capable of realizing what it takes for that to happen in our lives. We're just not, we're not capable of realizing. It's not going to happen to you in six months. It's not going to happen to you in six years. It's going to happen to you in a lifetime. And the thing we have to learn to do is sit back and enjoy Jesus Christ and grow up in the Word of God and grow every day and grow every day, grow every day in Jesus. And when you begin to do that, I realize that's rather boring from the time, of, you know, when, when I was filled with the Holy Ghost and uh, saved, filled the Holy Ghost, begin to speak in other tongues. That sounds a little boring because, see, I mean, I was ready the next day uh, to go to Africa or, uh, you know, Indonesia. I, it didn't matter to me. Go somewhere and, I mean, uh, save the world and, and, and get them all healed and delivered in the name of Jesus. I, I mean, I was ready to go. Well, uh, the only problem was I didn't have any tools to take with me uh, that would work. Jesus was there, and He's there in all of us that's received Him. But the fact of the matter is, for that working, for that working process to happen, there has to be a lot of things take place in our lives. The Lord God desires vessels that are yielded to Him through His Word is what He desires. And it's very, very difficult for me to agree with people that, that the Lord God will use vessels that are caught up, that are caught up in lust, caught up in pride, caught up in, in sexual uh, type of immorality, to, to the extent that God wants to use them. Now, I'm not saying God won't use them at all, but I'm saying to the extent every one of us as Christians should want to be able to do everything that the Lord God has put within the anointing, which is Him, that's in our lives. We should all want to do the ultimate. Now, people uh, say to me, and I used to, again, through teaching, I used to say, 
Now, if you was to call yourself into a place in the fivefold ministry, what would that be? And well, everybody would put down apostle or prophet. I mean, that, that, I always remember the first time the way the Lord God brought it out of my belly to explain to them. The fact of the matter is that God does not bless or give a higher place to the apostle as he does to the prophet, as he does to the evangelist, to the pastor, or the teacher. That it's all the same in the eyes of God. But what we need to understand is, to the degree of which God has anointed all of us with his anointing, is what you're going to be judged by. Okay? Whether it is keeping the door of this church, mowing the yard around this church, sweeping this church, that will be the way that you'll stand before God in judgment for that area of your life. And the process of blessing will come through your faithfulness as to what you're doing, not to the office in which it's involved in. I know people that are prophets that if not careful, they're going to end up burning hell. See? So what good does that do to say, oh, I'm a prophet? Not a bit. As I always said, I, I, I've always told the Lord, I think the whole thing with the fivefold ministry is a pain in the neck. I've always said that. Uh, everybody wants to be something they're not. Everybody uh, get around pastors and they all want to be evangelists. You get around evangelists that know, know better, they all just soon be pastors. Okay? Because the evangelist, he, he don't like to sit in the motel rooms and the four walls and being lonely all the time. And the pastor is uh, tired of putting up with the people. Hmm? And then, you have the, then, 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 of course, you have the teacher and they, that falls in that category, the apostle and the prophet. The, uh, the, most of them end up missing God altogether because they're anointed by God and they won't follow through the anointing. They won't follow it through. That's the reason I keep saying it. Don't, don't ever look, don't ever get to looking at an office or a place of prestige with God. We've got all that we can take care of just trying to fulfill what's in our each individual life to the potential that's there. That's what God wants out of it. That's what God wants out of our lives. The potential that He's put there. That's what He's wanting at. And that potential will never be reached until we are able to realize what God's trying to do. Now, let's look into now the eighth verse. 1 Corinthians 10. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Uh, now, fornication is all-inclusive, meaning simply uh, all types of sexual sin and perversion. Now, of course, the Israelites, they ignored God's command and committed sexual sins with the women of Moab, and that got them in a real bind. They also joined them in idol worship. And, of course, God uh, uh, sent that plague. Uh, 23,000 uh, 23, struck down that many of them. Now, of course, I keep saying, thank God we live, you know, in the New Testament. I just thank God that, that we do because, you see, you look at the God of the Old Testament and, I'll tell you what, uh, that, that don't look so appeasing, actually, uh, because he did things like this in the Old Testament, and then Jesus came with the New Covenant, and then we had the New Covenant, and thank God we do have, because uh, I say always that it doesn't hurt. You know, the most churches, the fear of God's not in the church. Now, I don't mean trembling kind of fear that we know in our flesh, the fear of God. Church quit fearing God years ago, years ago. The, we got into a place of, well, God loves us. 
see, I keep trying to drive into your spirits and into your minds balance. We need a little bit of this fear from the Old Testament. We don't need the Old Testament in the, in the covenant. But we need some of that understanding of the God that's there is the same God that's here. Same one. Instead of getting so uh, uh, loose with the whole thing, that we just do whatever we want to do. And, and there again, the devil is having a heyday with this thing because the devil is trying uh, desperately to, to get people to think that it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to, you know, to, to, to preach and, 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 and to be a homosexual. It's okay. I mean, it's not okay. You know, we, uh, we had a... I've got to look before I say this. Um, had a, Not too long ago, had a woman in service that husband ran off with another man. How would you like that, girls? It'd be one thing to lose your uh, husband uh, to another woman, but to lose your husband to another man? Huh? Called into the ministry. And he said God loved him. God, God told him. Now listen to this. God told him that he was so special in God's eyes and through the grace that he could just go ahead and live with that man. You think God told him that? No way, is it? No way. And yet I run into I run into Holy Ghost filled people that tell me that God told them it's okay to be doing drugs. It's okay to live in the bars and be drunk. And it's okay it's okay to it's okay to have girlfriends and boyfriends and this friend and that friend. God don't tell people that. That's the reason I keep saying, don't 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 spend all your time on your knees stretching out what is really your physical ear trying to hear from God. Right here, it's in the book. You don't, you don't have to wait. You see, uh, I, I asked that woman, I said, did your husband read the book? Well, yeah. I said, well, then he ought to know that, that that don't line up with the Word of God. Oh, but he hears from God, Brother Deckard. I said, no, he don't. He hears from the God of this world or his mind or his mind. He's not hearing from God. God does nothing now from under his Word. Well, uh, so... Understanding now in that ninth verse, let's go on down through then. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Now, tempting God, the Israelites uh, com- complained in the wilderness and said they hated the manna God, God had provided for them. As a result, God uh, sent poisonous snakes. Many were bitten and died. Huh? Yeah. Tempting God. We test God's patience when we demand uh, more than the adequate supply that He's given us. Huh? Some of us, I want more, I want more, I want more. Paul said, I've learned to, to abound and be abased. Very, very important with our walk with Jesus Christ. Be happy where you're at. Quit trying to think that you need to be somewhere else when you're not with the Lord. Be satisfied where you're at right now with God. It's going to get better tomorrow than it is today if you'll let it. But see, too many people, too many people want to be Paul today. That's what's wrong. That's what's wrong in church, generally speaking. We want to be Paul today. We don't, we don't realize the time that it took Paul to be Paul of the New Testament. Most of us have never studied to find that out. But the fact of the matter is, it didn't happen overnight to Paul took years, and it's going to take years for you and I to reach that similar plateau if there's such a place. Now, 
we also need to understand that uh, He has given us all that we need for today, okay, if we'll use it properly. Instead of thinking we've got to have more and more and more and more, we keep asking for signs and for wonders and for Him to prove His power and this and that and everything else. And, and that just gets right down to tempting God. And you want, to, you want to be sure to understand the example that Christ gave us when He was tempted after the 40 days and 40 nights of, of fasting. As I keep saying, He could have turned that stone to bread. He could have done just, just that quick. He could have done that. But you see, He knew not to tempt the Lord God. He knew that. He knew that. So what did He do? He used the Word of God instead of trying to demonstrate. Uh, I keep saying, when, when they, you know, when they beheaded Baptist, the Baptist, uh, John, his cousin, it had been just easy for Jesus. He went in and turned the money-changing tables over. It had been just easy for Jesus to walk in and uh, said, I think I'll sick about two legions of angels on you folks, and that'll be the end of that. Sick them. And that'd been the end of that. He could have done that just, just like that. He could have done that. But he knew it was tempting God. See, I, I get around people all the time. People got, uh, tell me stories about, about how that God sent a tornado so that it, it would get the people's attention. Uh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Don't, 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 you know, there's no sense getting that poor out in left field, this thing. But I'm going to tell you what, again, you're a product of what you're taught. And if you don't know any better, you'll believe anything if it sounds good. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go on. Now, in ten, the tenth verse, it says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, I want to read, the, uh, read what I put down here. I put down murmuring. A habit of complaining becomes a constant attitude of discontent. A habit of complaining becomes... A constant attitude of discontent. We complain about circumstances, but murmur is directed directly against God, always having a negative attitude. It's always. See, your murmuring is directed toward God. You start saying, well, why am I not healed? Well, I got prayed for like the Joneses got prayed for. They got healed. Why didn't I get healed? Why didn't I have a good job when they got... Oh, well, this isn't fair. I'm mad at you, God. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere with God, I'll tell you for sure. You know why? Because you see, the Lord God doesn't feel sorry for us. And that's something that a lot of the church doesn't understand. God doesn't feel sorry for you. God loves you, and He's already given you the entirety of His kingdom. What more, what more could He give us than He's already given us? So if it's not working, if it's not working in your life or my life, it's not God's fault. See, we get to blind to blame God. It's not God's fault that you don't have a good job. It's not God's fault that you're broke. It's not God's fault that you're sick. It's not God's fault if you've got problems with the things that we have been teaching here this morning. It's not God's fault. Why? Because God has made provision. He has made provision for us. He has made provision for us. If we'll meet the condition, huh? If we'll meet the condition, we can receive that. Now, in the 11th verse, it says, Now all these things happen to them for examples, or examples, 
and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And that is so very, very important. Now, what was Paul doing? Paul was using the Old Testament and trying to straighten the church out there at Corinth. Because evidently, the church had gotten themselves into what we get ourselves in so much today, in modern, what we call the modern church. And really, the sin's not changed any. I don't know why we call it modern. It's still the same old sin that they were fighting then and before then. But Paul was saying, look at this example. I did a thing over in Illinois, I think a week or so ago, called We Need to Look Back at What God's Done for Us. We need to look back. Too many of us never, too many of forget what God has done for us. They keep, because why? We, we get in a place where we get greedy and we want more and 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 more. You say, well, shouldn't you want more from God? Well, yes, you should. But the fact of the matter is, you don't want to get yourself in a, in a position that that's all that you're seeking God for is, is your own personal gain, your own financial gain. On and on and on and on. Again, their balance is, is very, 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 very important uh, to all of it. Now, he says, again, that 12th voice, voice. It must sound like I'm from New York. In the 12th voice, uh, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And that's what happens to most of us. Most of us just got right where old, old Brother Tom was at, thinking that, boy, I had it made and I was doing so well. And, and I mean, I'd had such a struggle over paying tithes, you wouldn't believe. And I finally got where I would, I'd actually do that. And, uh, and then when the preacher went to trying to explain to me, there was also something called offerings and, and even the giving of alms. Uh, well, I'd like to left the church then. I knew that's what he was doing then, trying, trying to ream me of all my money. See, I knew what he was doing. I had him. Poor pastor, I'll tell you what. Bless his heart. To love somebody as much as he loved me, to set me down and keep correcting me and bringing me the word. I mean, this old boy, this old boy had some fortitude now, I'm going to tell you for sure. Because I'd get mad at him, and I'd tell him, I'd say, hmm, I don't see how you even, I don't see how you even uh, ought to be a preacher the way you act. He'd look at me and he said, Brother Deckard, he said, just go home and pray and grow up. That's what he'd tell me. He'd say, just go home and pray and grow up. And sure enough, I'd go home and pray and the Lord would, the Lord would tell me, he told me right. And that used to make me madder yet. I, he'd tell me something, I'd say, I'll go and pray about that, Pastor. I don't think that's right. I'd go in there and I'd pray and I'd get to pray and I'd say, Now, Lord, Pastor, you, I know that's not right. Now, just tell me. I said, I know. If you'll tell me, I, I know it's not right. And the Lord said, He told you right. And finally, the Lord said, You know, the only thing i got to say is that somehow you think that you're the only one that can pray and hear from me. He said, uh, he said, don't you realize that pastor is praying and hearing from me and I'm telling that pastor what to tell you? He said, has it ever, ever dawned on you that that's the way this thing works? I said, I said, this, the only time I ever remember saying, yes, sir. I said, yes, sir, I guess it does. And that was the end of it. That was the end. Of, I, I, every time pastor told me, I guess he could have told me uh, a lot of things from that point on. Uh, I mean, if they lined up with the Word, I didn't bother going home and, and, and praying about it. See, I've got, even though it lined up with the Word, I go home and pray about it. That can't be right. That can't be right. Well, see, yeah, that's right. It's made me mad. I spent about half my time mad. You know what it was? My flesh. My flesh wasn't going to come under subjection to the Word of God. Your flesh don't want to come under subjection to the Word. Why? Because your flesh wants to do what, you, what it wants to do. 
It wants to do what it wants to do. It wants to be hypocritical. It wants to have lust in its life. It wants to have greed in its life. It wants to have a possibly sexual morality, immorality in its life. And God's Word will not, will not stand for that. So what do we have? Then we have the situation of wanting our flesh wanting to be that way. The Word of God saying, hey, you can be that way if you want to be that way, but I'm not going to use you, and I'm not going to bless you being that way. And yet then we get in service and still talk in tongues and clap our hands and jump up and down and have a big time thinking that God is blessing us. I always wonder what the Lord God... You know, He's got a sense of humor. He has to have one. But with people like me, mainly... But I always wonder what he must, you know, he must smile real big when we do that. I, you know, I, I always wondered for years what it really took to get us to realize going through the going throughs, as I call it, is so necessary for us to grow up in Jesus Christ. As I said, and I want just to reiterate here for just a minute before we close this morning. The whole purpose behind the Lord God permitting you to be tempted is to change you, change me. That's what it's all about. Without that coming in our lives, we'd never change. Some of us never change anyway. That's the reason I keep saying it. Some of us just, some of us just keep going around and around that wilderness, that spiritual wilderness of our own. And we go around and around. Forty years is going to, it, it, going to seem like a, uh, a small amount of time compared to uh, the way some of us are going to have to go to get out of the wilderness areas that we're in. Because we, we, don't, we don't understand. We just don't understand why. I, you know, I've had people say, well, I just don't understand why God would, would, would permit me to be tempted. You know, why? I know He doesn't tempt me. You know, some are educated enough in the Word. They know that God doesn't tempt but they're saying, why would God let this, let, let this happen? Why would, he, why would He let this happen? And then if I can get permission by the Holy Ghost to tell them, I just tell them. You've got something you want to change in you. Look for the change. Look, look what you can... When it comes, when that temptation comes, begin to consider what can I change in me. Not all. All hell's broke loose again in my house. Because it's the old hell breaking loose at your house that's going to bring you into a place of being more Christ-like. And that's what the Lord God's after. That's what He's after in each of our lives, is to bring us to that place, to get us to that place. Now, mankind, and in God with all of His infinite wisdom, and thank God that He's got it all, realize that we're lazy individuals. Humans are lazy. We won't do any more than it takes to get by. Now, somebody say amen and agree with me. And we just won't. I mean, it, it, I mean we just won't. Uh, just, we are, a, uh, we are a, a, a species of habit. If you can get into the habit of doing something, you'll do it every day. You get, somebody said, well, I just can't go to church. I just can't. I said, well, just make it a habit. You make smoking, drinking, and sex and everything else a habit. Make, make going to church a habit. Well, I never thought about making church a habit. See? Yeah, it's a habit you can't break. Hmm? You don't need to break. You don't need to try to break. Make it a habit to go to church. So I just, but, but we, because we, uh, we just kind of do what we can do to get along with, the Lord knows 
and or knew that we would never come to that place with Him on our own. Everything, and, I, and I'm going to speak for me right now, everything that I have ever grown in in the Word of God hasn't been out of, oh, ain't this neat to do to grow up with Jesus. It's been out of necessity that I've done it. Most people grow up in Jesus Christ just flat out of necessity. Out of necessity of that you're tired of going through the hell that you're going through and you're going to seek God at enough depth that you're going to find out what's going wrong somewhere. And when you begin to understand, then when you begin to understand the whole... Uh, you, you gotta, see, you've got to be able to see... Um, I think Paul Harvey said the whole picture. Huh? You've got to be able to see most of it anyway. Uh, most of us are still looking through a, a glass darkly in, a, in all of it. But there are some areas of it that, bless God, that we can, we can see clearly if we'll just begin to realize. And, and, I, and I said over and over again, uh, folks, I just flat got tired, uh, sick and tired, if you will, of not being blessed by God and being poor and, being, and, and just everything I touched went the wrong direction. Hmm? Everything. And yet I'd read back there, oh dear God, I had the 28th chapter, the first 15 verses of Deuteronomy memorized. Huh? I mean, they bless my coming-ins and my going-outs, and bless God when I'd, when I'd be called on the congregation. I was in one of the first church I was in, a uh, pastor would call somebody in the congregation to pray, uh, the, the final prayer on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and, and Wednesday nights, or well, I forget the weeknight service, I think it was a Friday night service, and... And when they call, when that pastor called me, I'd get up there and I'd repeat about half the 28th chapter of, of uh, Deuteronomy. And that prayer wasn't living it. It wasn't in my life, but it was sure a lot of fun to talk about, wasn't it? Well, you see, I, I'm one of these old boys that after a while, talk gets to be an old thing with me. I, I've been old, I've all my life, I've been a doer. Uh, it didn't matter what it was. When I lived out here in this world, I was a doer for that world. I made up my mind when I kind of started, took Jesus into my heart, got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was going to be a doer for God. And I finally got to the place of saying, this thing either works or it doesn't work. And I said, if it doesn't work, I'm going to give it up and I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the way of life that I had because I was miserable. And what even aggravated me more every once in a while, I'd get around somebody that God was truly blessing. And that made me matter yet. Matter yet. And when I'd corner them and I'd get to talking to them, same thing would come up time and time again. Well, you know, Brother Deckard, after you, after you walk with the Lord for a while, you begin to realize something, that it's going to take a lot of time to grow up in the Word. And areas. And you hear me talk, I talked this morning about so many areas. And they keep saying these areas. And I look at them like, you know, like a dog looking at a brand new bowl. They not know whether to chew on it or wait to, you know, the, the owner put something in it to eat out of it. I didn't know. I didn't know areas. I didn't understand. What do you mean all these areas? What, 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 what's all these areas got to do with it? And then, as I said, I didn't have any areas I could find. Then when I asked God, I had more than I, and I'm still, I'm still working on the list today. Still, still working on the list today. Because I begin to find out. I begin to dig deep enough. I begin to understand. If I'm going to get something out of this, I'm going to, have to put something into it. And that's what most of the church doesn't want to do. Most of the church. If it falls down on me like I got Jesus and the Holy Ghost, hey, I'll be super supernatural, uh, whoever Joe, okay? Speaking in tongues and jumping up and down and shouting. And if it doesn't, well, I just guess I won't get it. And that's the way most of us look at it. 
But the only way it's going to come is through the Word of God. The only way it's going to come is through you realizing something very, very, very important. And that very important thing for you to have to realize is that you are going to have to change. You're going to have to change. God isn't going to have to change. The preacher isn't going to have to change. You're going to have to change. God wants every piece of flesh, spiritually speaking, that you have. He wants it. When it comes down, my brothers and sisters, to the things that we talked about, uh, sexual uh, immorality comes down to uh, pride. It comes down to uh, uh, the thing with money. When it comes down to those things, God demands them. And if you're not willing to give them to Him, there's no lightning striking. There's no bells going to go off. There's no ooga horns going to sound in the background. You're just going to stay in that same old rut that you have been in for the rest of your life until you decide to crawl out of it. And when you decide to crawl out of it, there ain't nobody, Satan, all the demons that he's got, is going to keep you down because you'll come out of it. You'll come out of it. When you begin to realize that all that God wanted is you, that's all he wanted. He didn't, you know, some of us get to thinking, I'm going to do it by works. No, you're not. You're not going to do it by works. You're going to do it by the Word of God. That's where you're going to do it. That's what God's waiting on. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more, all the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible.